So let's read John chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? 
our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one, who, no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. 
yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. Well, uh, that's a long chapter, isn't it? Um, not for the first time this week. I uh, slightly regret taking it all in one go, but uh, we're, we're doing that. We're trying that anyway. It's all about food and feasting, so I hope you had a good breakfast. <laughs> uh, uh, or perhaps you, perhaps you sit every week with snacks. Anyway, that's going to be a strange transition back to normal uh, in-person church, isn't it? Sitting in a, in a church building uh, trying to not munch down on donuts. But anyway, hopefully we haven't bitten off more than we can chew today, and hopefully you're ready for a few food puns baked into today's sermon. Uh, let's, uh, let's tuck in straight away. Um, here's our first lesson. Uh, Jesus is the true Moses and more. Jesus is the true Moses and more. Jesus is very popular at this point of John's gospel. He's back in Galilee, uh, where in chapter 4 he healed a boy with a deadly fever. Uh, and we know from the other Gospels that Jesus healed many people in the region of Galilee. Uh, so verse 2, huge crowds are following him everywhere, even to the far side of the great lake, the Sea of Galilee, and up the mountain uh, where he and his 12 disciples are trying to get away to the middle of nowhere for a bit of a rest. Uh, but the crowds follow, and Jesus knows they would be hungry, and verse 6, he knows he's going to feed them. Uh, his disciple Philip does the math and realizes it's going to take thousands of euros to buy lunch for this lot. Um, Andrew scouts around to find out if anyone in the crowd brought their own food. And he comes back with one boy and his five bread rolls and two sardines, something like that anyway. Safe to say they're not two, you know, 70 stone bluefin tuna that might actually, uh, you know, go, go around the crowd a little bit. <laughs> I was almost going to show you a picture of that, but I decided not to do that. You can look it up if you want to see a 70-stone bluefin tuna um, that's been caught. Anyway, uh, Jesus tells his disciples to have the people sit down. There are about 5,000 men with women and children on top of that. Um, so in a moment that just must have been so absurd, Jesus uh, takes this little boy's pack lunch, and he, he says grace. He thanks God for it. He prays. And he starts to tear bits off and pass it out. Uh, and we might imagine, you know, the 12 disciples perhaps queued up. Um, we, we're, we're at the back of the 12. We're one of the last disciples to come. We're thinking, by the time we step up to Jesus, there's going to be nothing left to give out. Uh, you know, crumbs. It's all going to be gone by then. Uh, but no, uh, it's not. And we take some and we deliver it to people and we come back. And, and there's more. There's still more. We make a couple of deliveries and we have already delivered more than there was to begin with. Never mind the other guys who are uh, playing waiter here. Jesus keeps sharing, and the food keeps coming. And by the end of the meal, 
everyone is full, and each of the 12 disciples has his own basket full of leftover bread. Uh, a personal testimony, if you like, to the, the incredible miracle that's just taken place. And then after dinner, the, the, the crowd starts to chew over what's just happened. Um, there they are, great crowds in the middle of nowhere, receiving miracle bread at Passover time. Uh, and it doesn't take much to connect to the stories of Exodus. God's people, a huge population of them, in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness, receiving miracle bread from God every day. Uh, and a murmur rises as the crowds remember what, God's, uh, what Moses told the Israelites. He said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. And if you want to find that, it's Deuteronomy 18.15. Deuteronomy 18.15. And that verse just kind of repeats on them uh, until they realize, verse 14, uh, surely this is the prophet who was to come into the world. They've spotted what the Jewish leaders couldn't see last week, that Jesus is the true Moses. Um, Jesus is a leader who will lead God's people into God's promised land and rest and blessing. Uh, and with the Roman Empire uh, kind of squashing them and in charge of their lives, the crowds definitely like the taste of a new Moses. So verse 15, uh, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Matthew's gospel says uh, that Jesus told the 12 to go back to Capernaum while he went off to pray. Uh, so off they row, and they're about halfway across this huge lake when they catch sight of something really spooky, a shape, something like a person uh, coming out of the darkness, hovering over the water. Sounds terrifying, doesn't it? And it's dark, and it's windy, and it's hard to see. I heard someone joke recently, um, people only ever see ghosts in spooky places. You know, you never see a ghost in little. Uh, but verse 20, he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. And then, it's kind of funny, then they were willing to take him into the boat. Like before that, ooh, no. <laughs> but then they were, when they realized it's Jesus, they're willing to take him into the boat. And immediately, the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Now, obviously, this is an amazing miracle. Anyone who's ever tried uh, the, the hilarious fun on holiday of trying to run across a swimming pool will know that this is an amazing miracle. What happens when you run across the swimming pool on holiday? Well, you just fall straight in. You don't get two steps before you're, you're un, under, you know, right under. Jesus walks miles out to this boat in a storm, rowing hard with the wind against them. He gets in, and immediately they reach their destination. It's an amazing miracle. But why does John include it? Uh, that's what I was wrestling with this week. You know, he says later on that he left out lots of amazing stories. Why does he keep this one in a chapter that's about Jesus, the true Moses, uh, feeding people with bread and saying, I'm the bread of life. It's all about bread. What's this about this, about this water? Well, I think it's to make us think back to, to Exodus again, to Moses leading the people safely through the, the, the Red Sea, to Joshua leading them safely through the River Jordan, the, the Jordan that was in flood but that was piled up for the people to cross, um, 
leading the people into the promised land, immediately reaching the place where they were heading. Water was no obstacle to those men of God, nor is it to the Son of God. Uh, And He's the one who will lead His people where they need to go. He's the true Moses. He's the true Joshua. uh, And more. More? Uh, Well, yes, more. This is just the first course. Uh, So next up, Jesus is the true bread from heaven. Jesus is the true bread from heaven. Verse 22, uh, the people camp out. And they wake up next morning famished. Nothing makes you hungry like camping, isn't that right? Uh, You want to get those sausages going. But uh, where's Jesus? Or where are those 12 waiters who worked with Jesus? Well, they're gone. So uh, off they all go to try and find him in verse 25. And Jesus uh, disapproved when the crowds only followed him for his miracles and didn't trust his teaching. But they're getting even worse now they're only following him for a free meal. Verse 26, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You're looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, like not even for that reason, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. See, Jesus can give them so much more than a full tummy. But that's the way most of us live our lives, isn't it? What do we have? What do we need? How do we get it? What's on today? What's happening tomorrow? Uh, And we rarely think past the weekend, uh, unless perhaps there's a holiday on the horizon or something like that. Uh, We are created to hunger for more than that. And we, as Jesus says, we should be chasing after eternal life. Verse 28. Uh, this really kind of frustrating conversation gets going. Uh, Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Well, it's not a bad question, but Jesus says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. To believe in the one he has sent. We don't work to pay for eternal life. We believe in the one who earned it for us. God is merciful and gracious, remember? Um, That doesn't sit well uh, with them, so they ask the most incredible question, verse 30. What miraculous sign then will you do that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Uh, (laughs) They were just fed with miracle bread yesterday, thousands and thousands of them, the cheek of them, to ask this. And then they they even dropped Jesus a big hint of what would go down well with them uh, and help them believe. Verse 31, our forefathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. They might as well stand there with their hands open. Jesus, again, tries to get them to think about something other than their stomachs. Verse 32, he said to them, I tell you the truth, it's not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Uh, Jesus is not just the next Moses. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Guys, think about that miracle bread from Moses. It didn't really come from Moses. It came from God. Think about God who gives true life. I'm not just the next Moses. I'm the bread I'm what you, I am what you need. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. <laughs> the hands are out again. Oh my goodness. Time to spell it out. Verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. 
He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. This is uh, the first of of seven I am statements from Jesus in John's gospel. I am the bread of life. And Jesus doesn't explain it yet, but he does tell us what's on the menu. Verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Everyone who looks to Jesus and believes or or trusts in him will be raised up to eternal life. God the Father has sent Jesus into the world for that exact purpose. Everyone the Father gives to Jesus will come to him. No one who comes can be turned away. No one who comes will ever be lost, but everyone who believes will be raised to eternal life. So come to Jesus and have eternal life. He will not turn you away. He's inviting you now as you hear his words. Look to him. Believe in him. Come with with hands open to receive him. And, And let's rejoice that we're absolutely secure in him. Uh, He will not change his mind and drive us away or or kind of lose concentration and let go of us by accident. He will raise us to eternal life. That's his solid, solemn promise. Jesus is the true Moses uh, and more. In fact, he's the true bread from heaven. Uh, And we'll talk about that more with our, our, our last heading, which is don't grumble believe and have life. Don't grumble, believe and have life. It's at this point in the chapter when things start to go off because uh, Jesus' listeners find what he has to say hard to stomach. So verse 42, what's this about coming down from heaven? We know this guy. We know his parents. Uh, We know where he grew up. This smells fishy. So like the Israelites with Moses they start to grumble against Jesus. (laughs) Whoever heard of grumbling at mealtimes? Good good luck, uh, parents, for the rest of the day. Um, And from verse 43, Jesus reminds them that like the Israelites who seemed to be grumbling against Moses, what they're really doing is grumbling against God. Uh, They need God to draw them and teach them. Uh, So, (laughs) They need to stop grumbling against him and listen to him. Be humble. Open their ears to what he might be telling them in the words of Jesus. And Jesus says, if they will humble themselves and listen and believe, they'll be saved. And then they'll know that all of this is from God. Be humble and listen. After all, verse 46, they haven't seen God. They don't know his ways or his thoughts, but Jesus does because he comes from the Father, not to give bread for today and tomorrow, but to be bread that gives life forever. 
So would they ever just shut up and listen to Jesus? And in fact, they need to feast on Jesus. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So here's a new idea. Here's a new level of detail. Are they going to be humble and listen while Jesus explains it? Well, verse 52, then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? It's not really sinking in, is it? Jesus explains, verse 53, without feasting on Jesus, we are dead meat. No life in us. But, verse 54, if we feast on Jesus, he will raise us to eternal life. Because, verse 55, his body and blood are real food. Not physical food for actual eating like these people want, but spiritual food for our souls. Eternal food for eternal lives. How does that work? Verse 56. Well, because feasting on Jesus unites us to Jesus. We remain in him and he in us. So, verse 57, we will live because of Jesus. We'll be united to him and he has life. He has the life of God. We share that life. We're locked into that life by being united to him. Now, again, Jesus doesn't mean literally eating him. Uh, no one does that in, in the Bible and he doesn't, uh, he doesn't push that, that kind of idea. In the Old Testament, though, to feast on someone's flesh or to drink their blood, those are pictures of taking advantage of someone's death. So one guy in the Old Testament, uh, Old Testament, the Old uh, Testament, uh, said that uh, his enemies want to eat his flesh. That doesn't mean they wanted to actually, you know, knife and fork. No, they wanted to profit from his death. That's what he meant. Someone else in the Bible refused to drink water that other people had risked their lives to fetch. And he, what he says is, no, I'm not going to drink their blood. Well, blood's not on offer, it's water. What he means is, I'm, I'm not going to profit from their risk. I'm not going to drink the water that they risked their lives uh, and put their lives on the line to, to fetch. I'm not going to drink their blood. I'm not going to take advantage of their risk. But Jesus says, I want you to take advantage of my death. Not literally eating his flesh, but profiting spiritually from his self-sacrifice. Taking his death as our spiritual nourishment. We need his death. He gives up his life to give us eternal life. Um, he is consumed we are nourished. He is poured out. We are filled up. This bread is my flesh, which I will give. I will give my flesh. I'll give my body. I'll give my life. Uh, verse 51, for the life of the world. So, uh, will the people be humble and listen and, and try to digest what Jesus has to say? Well, verse 60, no. 
even many of his own followers, the sort of wider group of followers, find this just too hard to swallow. They just can't get it down. Uh, Verse 61, they're grumbling even now. Remember, Jesus was picking up these uh, disciples who were followers of John, and, and, and lots of people were kind of crossing over to follow Jesus. So, Jesus has the 12, and he has many other disciples at this point as well, um, uh, and, and they, they start to grumble. They can't, they can't cope with this teaching. They can't digest it. Verse, uh, Jesus isn't impressed. And frankly, verse 62, if they can't swallow what he says, how would they cope with seeing him as he really is? Verse 63, they they need to open their minds and think way beyond the material, physical world of ordinary bread and and hungry tummies. They need to to get a bigger picture of what God is doing. Is that what you need? To open your mind and, and think again about Jesus? To open your eyes and look again at Him? He is God in the flesh able to feed thousands of people in the middle of nowhere, generous enough to provide much more than was ever needed. He's the true Moses. He's the true Joshua who leads us to the far shore where we need to go. He's the the one who came and gave himself to be devoured so that we might eat and live. Will you humble yourself and and open your mind and, and listen and come and believe? and have life. This chapter ends in a very serious way. Many of those who'd been uh, coming along with Jesus and following his progress, many of that, that much bigger disciple group outside the 12, many of those uh, big crowd of disciples, they drop away. Verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And even one of the twelve. Uh, Judas does not believe, and he will eventually show where his heart truly lies. Please keep chewing on what Jesus has to say. After all, he alone has words of eternal life. Verse 67, as many disciples turn and leave, Jesus asks the twelve if they want to go as well. Well, Simon Peter, for once, (laughs) gets it spot on, doesn't he? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. To whom will we go if not to Jesus? To someone else? To ourselves? We just trust our own instincts and our own cynicism and our great worldly wisdom that, that we have? Catch yourself on. Look what you're turning down, the, the Holy One of God who alone has come from heaven, not not just to provide for us, but to be devoured by us, uh, to die our death, that we might feast, that we might take advantage and live. The, the, The door is open, the table is laid, take and eat. Don't grumble, believe and have life. And when we come, And perhaps it's many years ago that we accepted the the call of Jesus, perhaps a call that seemed risky and and unsettling and unsure at the time. Well, let's hear again as we close the, the assurance that he gives and that we come to know when we walk with him. Listen to him speak. These are the words of Jesus. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. 
For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Let's pray. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Father, thank you for your wonderful Son who came to seek and to save stubborn, small-minded, ultimately sinful people like us and to give us life. You sent him to have his body broken and his blood shed for us. You sent him to be devoured that we might take and eat and live. Truly, Father, you are merciful and gracious. Help us to humble ourselves and to listen to Jesus, to the words of eternal life, and to love him more and more until that glorious day when he will raise us up at the last day. And now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip us with everything good for doing his will, And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.